Hello, friends, and welcome to episode nine of the Sally Serves It Up podcast. There is still no jingle. I look out longingly to Frank's shed to see him with his headphones on playing the piano and hope every day that he's going to come in saying he's been working on something really special, but that is not what's happening, still no progress, Um, and I hope that you'll just bear with me as it's clearly not a priority on his list nor on my list right now, and I hope you don't mind. I hope that you appreciate this very straightforward, simple, unproduced podcast, and I hope that it's giving you really what the whole point of it is, you know, new insight, new ideas and ways to approach things that can really help you tune into yourself and create the outcomes that you want. So today I want to talk to you about how you describe your food and alcohol, how you talk about it, the labels you give it and why that matters, why it makes a difference. I notice this all the time with clients and it's how I used to be. Food was either good or bad, like right or wrong, healthy or unhealthy. And alcohol was often just sort of inherently bad in and of itself, but quite good if you had, you know, nice wine, expensive champagne, some sort of quality gin with nice tonic. And these labels are really hot, like hardwired into the way that we think about things. I want you to think about how you think about food and alcohol in, in that way and the labels that you might be giving things. And we think that these labels help us make decisions, that they somehow guide us in the moment, like a sort of North Star towards some ideal that they keep us on the straight and narrow and make things clear and obvious and that they're helpful. But what I want to offer you today is that in labeling food and alcohol as good or bad in one way or another, like whatever words, I'm just simplifying it for the purpose of this podcast as good or bad, but however you do it, that you end up not only attaching your own morality to the consumption of that food and drink or the the lack of consumption, but it will also lead to this cycle where you're buffering with food and alcohol, depending on how good or bad you're feeling. You're using the food to amplify or numb your emotions. You end up eating and drinking those things in a way that doesn't feel right to you, like more than what you had wanted or sometimes less if it's coming from like a restrictive place. And depending on whether it's good or bad, whether you've been good or bad. So when I used to do this, I would eat really unhealthy food, so-called good food, hoping it would make me good and create good results, especially after the weekend when I had apparently sort of been bad, (laughs) when I hadn't shown up maybe how I wanted to, when I had drunk a lot and then maybe eaten a load of crap to deal with the hangover. Or even when no booze was like involved, but I had been sort of indulgent um, and even it felt good in the moment, but the net result wasn't positive. Like the next day, I didn't feel good about the whole thing. So when I was eating the healthy food on the Monday, the good stuff, the expectation was on the food to somehow inform 
who I was and the results I was going to have. And this is such, it can be such a disempowering way to think about food. And I'm not saying there aren't obvious things about, you know, certain food that is um, nourishes you and fuels your body better than other food. That's not what this is about. But when you are labeling food in this way, it often it often led me at least to overeat the healthy food. And that's a habit that came from years of doing Weight Watchers where certain things like vegetables and fruit were zero points. Um, but it would also mean I would rely on the food rather than the thoughts I was thinking to make me feel better or to somehow sort of get me somewhere. And it's like, how does what is on my plate hold so much power to my goodness? And I ended up like ended up actually having over desire for healthy food and overeating it and then feeling bad and then eating bad food to support that. Um, and, you know, I'm doing constant air quotes over here that you can't see. Um, and then starting again on Monday and then just this whole cycle becoming quite relentless in my life. Like I almost knew it was going to come. I was almost like, well, we can do this this weekend because then we know again that we'll be good on Monday. And it just kept perpetuating itself. And it all just led me further from my like, like from my desired goodness. And it stopped me from seeing my innate worth and my innate wholeness and goodness and enoughness. And if you flip it to when you want something and you think it's bad and unhealthy and you shouldn't have it, and you think that's all very rational and obvious, and that somehow your desire is irrational, and that idea that you can't have something that you want creates tension in your body. And the crazy thing is, is that that tension that you're trying to control with willpower, which will run out, often just creates more desire and urge in your body, more tension that your brain is thinking it needs to satisfy, like ASAP. It's veering into over-desire territory and that feeling like you're at odds with yourself. You want something, it's bad, you shouldn't have it, but you have this desire for it. And then you want to eat the food even more. And then you do eat the food and essentially then buffer that uncomfortable feeling and sensation away buffering away the belief that you shouldn't have it and it's bad, but you're having it anyway. And your brain learns that's the pattern. That's how it will get its dopamine because it's often you're not rewarding all that whole urge model, that whole urge cycle with an apple. You're rewarding it with the thing that you thought was bad, which is often going to be something that releases an inordinate amount of dopamine, like something highly concentrated. And then you start to think you fucked it anyway. So you might as well continue. <laughs> That's when you sort of over, like you tend to overeat. That's like the baby out with the bathwater vibe. And then you create, in doing all of that, you create more evidence that the food is bad, that you shouldn't have it, that you must keep it at arm's length and be very controlled and rationed with it, that the food holds the power and that you have none. If only it didn't exist, if only if only those donuts did not exist, you would get the results you wanted and you wouldn't have this desire and you wouldn't have these problems and it would all be so much easier. And what I want to offer 
is that it doesn't have to be that way. Because when you remove the sense of your morality from what you're eating, when you take away the judgment of it being good or bad, when which you can do by just like deciding to stop doing that, when you stop labeling something in this kind of judgmental, restrictive way and start seeing, seeing it for what it is, a totally neutral substance that your body consumes for energy, you will stop associating so much with it. It will lower like the loftiness that you're giving the food or the alcohol, the power you're letting it have over you. And in turn, you lower your over desire for it. The cycles that I was just talking about will start to phase out and you'll start to connect with the food that you truly enjoy and that serves your body. You'll start to genuinely connect with your body and what it makes you feel good, what makes it feel nourished, how much it needs, what it doesn't need. And it connects you back to the food that you genuinely enjoy. This is an important one because I found it so amazing that when I stripped back these labels and made food completely neutral, I started to realize that I didn't even like the things. I thought I really liked, well, some of the things I thought I really liked as much as I did. I connected with the alcohol that I really genuinely liked the taste of. And that's about four things now. And then the puddings that really sort of do it for me. And on like a savory level, I actually eat less pasta now. Not because I'm like, I don't eat flour, but I have less desire for it because I realized I didn't quite like it as much as I thought I did when I thought I couldn't have it to lose weight. Like, unless I'm in a totally chips Italian restaurant or I've bought the really nice stuff from the supermarket, I'm just not into it. I'm not, I'm not there for it. And I'm not moving through the world thinking I can't have pasta, but wanting it. I'm moving through the world with less genuine desire for it. And I know what I like and what I don't like, and I know that I'm in control and that I hold the power. And it's not in this um, way that's like, I hold the power, I'm in control. It's like, I'm totally in control. (laughs) I hold the power and I feel super relaxed. And from there, you're very, you have so much less tension and misalignment going on between like your brain and your body and what you're feeling and what you're wanting. And everything just becomes so much easier. And it has nothing to do with whether something is good or bad or whether you are good or bad. So you can see how it's the labeling of it all and your thoughts about it that's at play here. It's not a universal fact that something is good or bad. It's all totally up for your interpretation always. And you then find the interpretation that works for you rather than against you. And I would offer that making things more neutral means that the interpretation will be like the interpretation that you come to will just feel way more aligned with what you really believe and what you really want. And if this is something that resonates with you, I want you to think something along the lines of I'm an adult, I can have whatever I want, whenever I want it. I can do whatever I want. And that can be your sort of like tagline and mantra. 
I really want you to think about how much you believe in that in the first place and work on that being a full belief that you're in total belief of. And when you are believing that and you feel empowered from that empowered place where you're not a child again and no one is rationing what you have or deciding something is good or bad for you, you then get to decide how you want to nourish your body. Notice the words you use to describe food and alcohol and challenge yourself to bring it all back to a neutral place. This is neither good or bad. It's just energy on a plate. It's just food. It's just clear liquid in a glass, unless you have Baileys, which I bloody love. But generally, it's just clear liquid in a glass. When you start talking to yourself that way, like I want to be very clear, it doesn't mean you don't get to enjoy delicious tasting food or the drinks that you want. But what I'm saying is that in neutralizing it and taking all of the energy around it down, it often means you don't overeat or consume them beyond what feels comfortable and aligned to you or eat in a way that is has anything to do with how good or bad you are, with how good or bad the food is, it all just becomes so much more level. So like, I absolutely love tiramisu. It's my hands down favorite pudding. And whilst I'm in full belief of that, and fully on board with it, and whenever I see it on a menu, I think that is delicious. I find it so helpful to also think, it's just tiramisu. It's just pudding. It's just an amalgamation of ingredients. I can have it anytime I want. I could have it tomorrow. Okay, cool. Let me plan it as one of my exceptions this week or next week, like whenever it makes sense for me to have that. And in in that planning, my brain knows it's coming. It creates the, I kind of think about it like it's like scratching an itch, like, you know, that's on its way. Great. And it it creates the appropriate amount of desire for it that doesn't lead to overeating. I teach my brain the truth in my belief that I can actually have it, that I'm an adult, I can have what I want. And what I really want is food that tastes good and a body that I love and is thriving. And when it comes to eating the tiramisu, in that moment, I use the tools when I might want more. So I notice when scarcity comes in and I remind myself that I can have it anytime. That, of course, my brain wants more. It's a load of sugar and cream and even that kick of booze and coffee. And of course, it tastes good. And I just think about how I want to feel when I wake up that next morning, how I want to know I've showed up for the freaking tiramisu and how I showed up for myself. And I use the hunger scale. I enjoy every mouthful. I take my time. I savor how delicious I find it. And what I do is I anticipate that I'm going to have those urges for more ahead of time. Like it's incredibly human and normal. And I make a plan um, of intentional thoughts, like the thoughts I'm going to practice in the moment, the tools I'm going to use. And some of you might think, well, that sounds like a lot of work. I just want to eat my tiramisu. I'm not really sure which one of my listeners (laughs) sounds like that but you might be thinking that. Um, And that's just a thought. To me, it's not hard work. It's easy work. It's work I'm willing to do because it gets me exactly what I want. It means I 
like get to have my cake and eat it, so to speak. Because the more I do it, the more things become second nature. And the more my brain learns that this is how we do things, Sal. Over time, the over-importance and over-desire will decrease in and of itself. And my skills at managing my mind in the moment around urges and desire will have increased. And from there, I'll lose weight or maintain my weight, weight, like whatever my goal is, while still eating the tiramisu. And so I create this true peace and freedom from food and alcohol where I have the power and it doesn't, where I decide what I do and what I consume and how much, just by starting with how I change the way I think about it, what I believe about it, what I make it mean about me. When I stop attaching my morality to the food and alcohol and hoping it will somehow equate to how good or bad I am, when I make the decision to do that, because all it is, is a decision to start noticing your mind and then start like intentionally thinking thoughts like that food and alcohol is totally neutral. I free myself from any external things creating my worth and my enoughness and my wholeness because I'm 100% worthy and perfect as I am. And what I eat and how I eat and drink has nothing to do with it. It's a completely neutral thing. And, you know, I often think you've got those friends in your life who seem to are incredibly slim and seem to be able to eat what they want. And this is why they're not making food mean all of this lofty, full on emotional stuff. They're just eating it because it tastes good to them. And then they stop it enough. They, they, they're not overeating it. And I find that this whole shift really stops you from being like really good during the week and then bad at the weekend and then starting the whole thing again on Monday. And it completely sort of deflates diet mentality. It just takes the energy down to a place where you're still eating food that you enjoy and tastes good. So please hear me on that. You're just not labeling it in the same way. And in doing that, you can trust me that you'll experience less urge and less desire for the so-called bad foods. And that will mean less overeating. And it will mean that the pendulum, like the, the distance it's swinging starts to decrease. So even then when you start to go into the good food territory, you're not overeating that or just sort of going into restrictive mood mode or trying to like undereat that to be all diety and counterbalance what you're doing on the other side. It just all calms down. Because this is when it's not so much about the food itself, but the way you're eating it and what you're making it mean. This is how you can still enjoy those things that you might once have labeled as indulgent and bad and unhealthy and still make progress. And this is how you really connect with what those things are, like what you truly think about them and how they taste and how much you enjoy them. And it's how you create sustainable, permanent results where you can get rid of the bloody diet books and just start connecting your thoughts and your beliefs with your actual body that no one else is in charge of. And you're connecting with your body and what you want. And you can see that no food, no drink is good or bad in and of itself. And that you're 100% enough and whole just as you are 
and you're totally in charge and in control and hold all the power. And it is so freeing when you feel that, when you feel like you can just go to any social situation or be in any food, alcohol, drinking situation, especially like think about the holidays coming. You can be in any situation and the food and the alcohol isn't a problem that you always get to decide that like no urge, no desire is going to take over. And somehow you're suddenly like, oh my God, I'm eating all these things and I'm drinking all these things and I have no control. I don't know what's moving my hands to my mouth. (laughs) So I want to encourage you to consider any labels that you might give food and how they make you feel and what it creates for you. Explore it, become the watcher of your mind and see what your current thinking might be resulting in for you. And then you can decide exactly what you want to do from there. You can know all of this information and think, I love my results. I love the whole experience around food and alcohol. I'm good. And I think it is so, so powerful to know that. Or you can decide that you want to change things. And this is one of the places, this is one of the opportunities where it might be really powerful for you to change or reconsider your thinking. Okay, that is it for now. Next week, I am going to talk about the festive season and how you can maintain your results or even like get results, you know, create even weight loss over the festive season so that you don't come out the other side feeling like crap. Like most people's goal would be to come out of Christmas and feel like they didn't have a mountain to climb in January. So like no no loss, but like no gain. And I'm going to give you the tools that I use, that I'm going to use so that January doesn't feel like you are starting from scratch again. And so that throughout the entire festive period, it doesn't feel like you're holding up your hands to it. And you're like, well, this is what's going to happen. I, those limp balls, I can't, you know, they just found themselves in, (laughs) in my vicinity. This is like, and all of the things that come for me, it's like the cheese straw situation at Christmas. I, I'm going to talk about how I'm going to manage my desire for that because of course I can have it anytime I want because I'm an adult and I am in control and I am in charge. It might be a two-parter. We shall see. I cannot wait to see you then. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Have a beautiful week, my friends. Thank you for listening. Bye.